Hello, and welcome to Fraud Talk, the ACFE's monthly podcast. I'm Jason Zirkel. I'm the training director for the ACFE. And today I am joined by Belinda Quitos, CFE. She's a CICA auditor and the president of SCF Incorporated. Belinda, thank you for joining us. And we are here today today to talk about HOA fraud. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, give us an overview of your experience and kind of your expertise in dealing with fraud in homeowners and condo owners associations? Thank you for having me. Um, Basically, my background is in medicine and my husband's a physician and he was embezzled from by his office manager, which changed my whole career at that point. And I became certified as a fraud examiner. And now that's what I do. Um, As far as the topic of HOA, you've got several different types of HOAs. You can have the homeowners association, the condo association, and a commercial owners association. And by that, I mean, uh, when you think of a strip mall, you've got several owners of different businesses all under one roof. So they have an HOA basically as well. And the rules that apply to HOAs are ubiquitous. It just depends on what the documents are for the individual um, association say. Uh, And then you have your state regulations that do also apply to that as well. Um, I became interested or became involved in HOA fraud when I was elected as a treasurer when I built a house in a subdivision. The uh, developer was actually turning over the HOA to the individual members because he had sold over 50% of the lots. So the members owned the bulk of the PUD, basically. He didn't want to do it. And he actually was fighting the HOA because they wanted to take over the, the HOA and he didn't want to do it. Um, but he didn't lack, he lacked the credentials of a community association manager. He wasn't going to get the credentials and that's how they kicked him out. Um, he had a fellow member who was a CPA and he and this CPA for 20 years managed this homeowners association. So when it came time to basically give it up, they had total control for 20 years. They didn't want to do it, but they did. And then we had an election after that. And I was elected to the board as treasurer based because I was a, a CFE. The minute I opened the books, and it was QuickBooks, we had two sets of books. Everything that was done for the HOA was done in journal entries. There was no collections. There was no kind of billing. There was nothing. It was a bunch of journal entries that would produce the balance sheet and the uh, profit and loss on an annual uh, basis. And this was run by a CPA this whole time. So I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Nothing like getting uh, elected and opening the books and finding that nothing's right. So at that point, we had um, a meeting with the board. My board president happened to be an attorney, which was helpful. And he had a background in accounting, which was even more helpful. And I showed him what was going on. And life at that point for two years got very, very tight because the association had no money. The developer had claimed that the association owned him $250,000, which was not in the books, but he got the board before they transitioned with the CPA friend to sign a promissory note that the members had to pay him this $250,000 note 
which meant a $10,000 assessment to everybody. So nobody was happy. And basically it ensued a lawsuit. I ended up um, doing a pro bono fraud examination. It took about two years to go through 20 years worth of data. And it was all um, paper. There was nothing digital at the time. And so um, after two days of deposition, um, he caved and he wrote the check. And so it was a $1.2 million fraud. Wow, 1.2 million. So yeah, I mean, my own story, you know, I'm I'm involved in, in my homeowners association. And the way that I got involved was that I just we discovered that our former general manager um was allegedly stealing money. And you know, I reached out and said, Hey, I'm a CFE. Do you guys need any help? And they said, uh, you know, yeah, sure. Can you run for the board? And, and of course, I'm yeah, I'm like, no, no, I've got so much going on That's with work. But yeah, I mean, I so I know from my own experience that it's a big deal. But in so how prevalent really is fraud in these associations? And, you know, what are what are some of the common types of fraud that would that we see? It's quite prevalent in Florida where I am. You're constantly seeing cases come up. The. We all learn as fraud examiners, the basics, you know, segregation of duties. Uh, don't put all the eggs in one basket. Do not give um, everybody the ability to, um, you know, don't don't let somebody do something with your finances without supervision. The things that we apply to other businesses apply to homeowners associations. What happens is people don't realize that HOA, condo association, or a commercial association is a nonprofit business, and it needs to be run as such, just like any other business that's out there that you would be doing an audit or a fraud exam on, except it's in your backyard. And so you have to look at your HOA as just another business, and it's a nonprofit. And nonprofits have definite rules and regulations that you have to abide by, and you have to do things properly. Every, every association has documents. When you join in, when you move in, they give you the documents. Those are the law of the land. That's what the board is supposed to enforce. And that's the guidelines for the association. That's the role of the board is to enforce those guidelines. And then if you don't, if, if somebody doesn't, like you paint your house, you know, haint blue, um, and it's not part of the color combination, you have rules to get rid of the haint blue color. Um, but all of that is spelled out in the documents. And if it's not spelled out in the documents, the state statutes will tell you what to do. But you have to abide by that. So every homeowner association is a little nonprofit business being run by people that are elected. And they have a fiduciary duty to all of you who are in the association to do the right thing. What happens is we're all busy. We all come home. We're tired. The last thing we want to think about is there's a business in our backyard that may or may not be run properly. And so you just, you know, these are your neighbors, you trust them. And it's the old, you can trust, but you better verify. And what happens is people get complacent. They're too busy to get on the board. They don't care if there's a board meeting, everything's fine. I don't have any problems. It doesn't affect me until you get that assessment for $10,000 because you didn't stay in, engaged. 
Stuff like that will happen. And so what these boards do is if nobody's watching the till, they're going to take the shot. And the, the whole game for a board is to make sure that nobody cares, nobody wants to be involved. We have apathetic members. It's the same old board members. And that's when things start happening. I agree. And I I think it's it's interesting that the the mindset with HOAs in general tends to be, oh, they're only there to make sure that uh, my house has to look a certain way. And they're only there to send me a nasty letter when I leave my trash cans out, you know, right. for two or three days. But there's so much more. And 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 like you said, they're they're typically volunteer organizations and they're put in charge of a lot of money. I mean, we have I have 1,200 homes alone in in my neighborhood, so it's yeah. it is shocking how how prevalent it is and and how big a deal it is. Well, if if as a CFE, put your CFE hat on and then look at your HOA as just another business. And if you were going to audit a business and this business was behaving in this way, would it raise a flag for you? That's a great way to put it. So. So with HOAs, do you, do, does the fraud, and I think I know where we're going with this, but does the fraud tend to come more internally or is is there ever really a, a, a vulnerability to some sort of external fraud or a cyber breach or something like that? Or does, is most of it internal fraud? Most of it tends to be internal unless you have, um, let's say you need to fix something in your common area. Um, the pool busted. You know, you need a new pool pump. Well, if you've got a board member whose who's son-in-law is running a pool company, guess where the bid's going to go? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the rules are you get three bids. Well, if you've got a president who's, who doesn't care and doesn't follow the rules, then he doesn't get three bids. He just calls his son-in-law, pays him, and then maybe adds on a little kickback to it because I got you the job. If you don't, and this is something that needed to be you know, brought up at a board meeting and voted on. But sometimes you get rogue presidents who basically go, well, it's my son-in-law, I can get a better deal. And he just tells the rest of the board, go, don't worry about it, I got this. Next thing you know, his son-in-law made a little bit more money than he should have. Yeah, so the the story that you started out with is was interesting. So can you just sh briefly share a couple of other examples of some of the the schemes that you have worked for cases that you've worked in, you know, in your own practice? I had this was actually quite interesting. It, it having a CPA cooking the books, I thought was really fascinating. Um and whenever I took over as a treasurer and I asked him various questions, he knew I was on to him. He went under a rock. He wouldn't come out of his house. Anybody that knew, I mean, he came to no meetings. He literally disappeared off the face of the earth because he knew this was coming down. Now, I wanted him in the worst way because he had duped the, the membership as a CPA using his CPA trusting, you know, ability to get everybody just to buy into his crap. And I really wanted him. And the board president basically goes, we're going after the developer. We're not going to go after the other homeowners, even though he was part of the collusion. And, but he, he got off the hook, but he, he was basically shunned by the rest of the people because everybody did find out what he did, even though he didn't get in trouble for it. Um, another situation in a condo that I had was, and again, 
one of the, there's a, a, a common thread here, time. Because you have apathy in these homeowners associations, people don't want to run for the board. So the same old people keep running. So you have no term limits, basically. They just keep rolling over and rolling over. Same people in the same place. They had an employee in this condo for 20 years, and nobody in the condo knew how to run the books because, let's face it, not everybody's got accounting background. So she's the accountant, and she's using QuickBooks, and then she's, you know, it was a rental um, condo, so she was also doing the rental program as well and booking the rentals and, and collecting the cash. Well, the cash wasn't getting deposited, and she was also exporting from QuickBooks into Excel and then doctoring up the uh, profit and loss and balance sheet because she didn't know the difference between the two. And so she was putting things into it that she thought needed to be there. And what ended up catching her after 20 years, because she would write balance sheet on it or profit and loss on it, but the profit and loss was actually having... <laughs> It wasn't any expenses. She wrote profit and loss and it was the balance sheet because she just changed the name and figured nobody would know. And this particular board was changed and she brought in the financials for the board meeting and they happened to have a businessman that was on the board this time. New guy in, in town joined the board. He looked at it, he goes, these aren't financials. And she got an argument with the board member telling him he didn't know what he was looking at. Well, that was the end of her. And then I got the phone call and went through and audited their books. And she was exporting all of the uh, the books and she, nothing matched and, and nothing worked. It was amazing. In 20 years, she ended up taking about 750,000. The uh, homeowners association surprised me because they did have an insurance policy on board. And most of the time they have uh, 25,000 for theft. No, most people don't expect to have a big hit, so they have a smaller amount. This particular um, condo back in the day had a $500,000 policy, and they'd been paying for it since 1974. It kicked in. They got the $500,000. No, that's great. I mean, we we tell people all the time with when it comes to, to fraud risk, a great way to, to mitigate that is to transfer the risk and go buy insurance. But yes. If you're dealing with a with an organization that has a you know let's say a million dollar budget or you know they they're bringing in a million dollars a year and you've only got a twenty five thousand dollar insurance policy yeah right. that seems to me pretty pretty um, obvious that that's that's not going to cover the the type of fraud that you might see with with a million dollars just sitting there right for the taking. Well, but people just don't expect to be defrauded. They, they they think it's going to be minuscule. They don't expect it to be massive. And and they trust everybody. That's why the, and they're also trying to save money, you know, because if you're buying a, a higher policy, it's going to cost you more, which means your monthlies are going to come because you got to cover those fees. So everybody wants to pay less. And how do you start shaving? And that's what, and that's insurance is the first place they shave. So it sounds like, and it sounds like there is a trend there on the detection side as well, that these schemes can often go on for a long time because of all these things you're talking about with, with apathy, with people, people don't really want to get involved in their HOA. They don't really want to run for the board. The, the meetings are so boring. Why would I want to spend, 
you know, um, one of my weeknights going to a board meeting. So is that exactly. usually how these are detected? They, you know, just happens to be somebody new come in and they start asking questions. Is, is that the common theme? That's usually, you know, for from the standpoint of if it's been ongoing for a long time and you haven't had any change in the in the the membership. Yeah, they're they're just used to the status quo. Nothing's happening. Nobody's had to do a special assessment. So you're not taking anything away from me. And I don't really care what's going on because you're telling me everything's fine and great. And so as long as that they can portray that, they can continue to do whatever they're doing. But when you do get new blood in and they start asking questions, that's when you really can start to see because you'll find these board members, if they ask, get a question asked, they get really bristly, um, you know, almost uh, argumentative, how dare you type of thing. If they come at you like that, you got a problem because that's the first sign that something's wrong. There's no reason to be argumentative about a question about how are things going or what are things being done because that's what you're there for. You work for them. And, and it's, it's, it's a mini government is what it really is. And, and what happens in these boards and in these neighborhoods is that you get this power play where you've heard this old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. <laughs> it works real well in an HOA because now they're power drunk. We've been running the company this, this long. We know everything. How dare you ask me? And that's exactly what that employee did to the new board member is I know what I'm doing and you don't. Yeah, you know you're committing fraud and he knows it now too. And she got very indignant and that's that was the first sign and everybody loved this girl for 20 years. Plus she was a CAM, she had a, she was a community association manager and a real estate agent. And she, you know, so she had all the credentials on top of it. Everybody loved her. She was sweet, she's always happy and she's always helpful. Yeah, covered the fraud. 750,000 that I found, I, I just quit looking because they had a $500,000 policy. They weren't going to get any more out of it. So I stopped. Yeah, it, it, we, we talk about it in our ACFE fraud report to the nation. Some of those common behavioral red flags. And it's funny how how outgoing and likable that a lot of these people are and you know we interview fraudsters a lot with the acfe and it's it, people talk about it, it's like oh they seem so likable it's like well well yeah they're very likable in the moment <laughs> but then one of those common red flags that we see is that there's that unwillingness to share duties i don't want co anybody coming into my turf let me yeah. handle this don't look at my computer <laughs> exactly they don't want people to come in to to actually discover anything so that it, it makes complete sense so other so besides Every, a red flag like that, that no go ahead i was gonna say everything we have learned that applies to any kind of business that we go out and look at for a fraud exam applies to homeowners association and they do all the same things in an hoa that's done in these big corporations only it's done kind of insidiously on a smaller scale sometime, unless it's gone on for a long period of time. And and they'll they'll test the waters just like you find in a big corporation. They'll try to, you know, take something and see if it gets caught. Didn't get caught, try a little bit more. Next thing you know, it's a full-blown, you know, ongoing, can't stop and just keep on doing. So what are some other common red flags that people should look out for when they when they're getting involved in their homeowners association? I have, um, I've seen where you've got conflicts of interest, where you have a board president 
who is, you know, again, power hungry and has got a, a wife who also has that power hungry. So you have the board president going out there promoting, you know, his great ideas because it's the wife's ideas. And then you'll find that the wife is actually spending the association's money, implementing things. This is all going on on the outside without anybody knowing about it. And then she's involved in a altruistic newsletter because she's so wonderful and great to let everybody know what's going on. This was in a, a HOA where you didn't have people. It was a rental. Most people were absentee. So she's going to create this newsletter about how she's watching over this is what's going on. Isn't this wonderful? Here's a picture. Doesn't that look beautiful? It's all stuff she's doing and spending the association's money on and, and promoting herself and does it and then sends it out in the newsletter going, isn't it great? Everybody loves it and nobody's approving it. <laughs> and so you, you, you know, you've got conflicts of interest that, you know, I had this, this same board president. He actually, we had, once we had, um, won the case against the developer, part of the payoff was to take away his lots because he wouldn't give us the money. He claimed he didn't have the money. So we, we inherited his lots, which had value. One of the lots um, backed up to eight people's properties. And because this was over in a fishing village, there was an idea that this president had that he wanted to take this big lot behind these eight people's um properties and turn it into a boat parking lot. Well, if you have a lot you haven't built yet, but you got a lot that butts up to a parking lot for boats, not exactly a pretty, you know, backyard view. And so it had to come to a vote because it was common area. And what this guy did, this president, he went around and he campaigned to all the, there's a hundred owners. He campaigned to all the hundred owners about his great idea about turning that particular uh, big lot behind these eight people's lots into a, bo a boat parking lot. Well, it didn't affect anybody else but these eight people. And he left out the eight people. So he had his votes. He, he panned the membership to get the votes. So he knew it would come to a vote and he would win. And so what ended up happening, thankfully, is one of the owners happened to know one of those eight people and just had a, a question about, you know, what do you think about it? They had no idea. And so those eight people showed up, came to that meeting and chastised that president for going behind their back to get the voting to change their lots and have them have an eyesore for a view because he liked the idea. And it, it was shot down, thankfully. But if, if that person had not notified them, he would have gotten the vote and they would have had that that view. There's people that think that they know best and they want their ideas and they will promote their ideas in various ways. They will also, if, if they have any opposition, you'll start getting the um, division that goes on in homeowners and you'll got the bad mouthing. You get you get the president going, oh, he's a he's a troublemaker. And then you start getting the division uh, in in, you know, the camps in your HOA. And when you start getting camps in your HOA, the guy that's doing the camp setting up is your problem because he's creating the division in the HOA because he's hiding something.
It it makes sense. So, you know, we on top of that, we you know, we all know about internal controls, about the importance of internal controls. And we all we talk about how they need to be a blend of both kind of preventive controls, preventing the fraud before it happens and then detective controls. How do we detect it quickly and respond to minimize the damage? So what are some of the the internal controls and HOAs that that really work to detect um, this type of fraud? If you've got a apathetic board that happens to stay in place forever, make them change their roles. In other words, you've got a president. He's been president for two years. You're not president anymore. Go get a different job. You can be vice president. You can be a treasurer. You can be a secretary, but you're no longer president. Make every If, if you can't change your board uh, people, then change your board jobs and change them. Don't let the president stay president for six years, 10 years, whatever. Make them change their jobs. That gives you other eyes and what was going on. So if you had somebody being the treasurer for you know four years, changing it to somebody else might actually find something. So if they know that the change is going to come, they're going to be less likely to do something because there's going to be other eyes. Um, when it comes to employees, a lot of people are afraid to do anything on a board, mainly as far as to run as treasurer, because they go, I don't know anything about accounting. And they they think they have to be a CPA to be on the board. You don't. Um, you have an outside CPA. All these, all the your HOAs have an outside CPA that does their annual tax returns. All you got to do is, is manage the books just like you manage your checkbook. Make sure what's going out, you got a bill for it. It's an appropriate expense. Make sure what's coming in is supposed to. You don't want, you know, you everybody has their monthlies that they have to pay. If you've got somebody on the board that that happens to have friends, they'll let the 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 monthly fees go for their friends, which then cuts into your budget. And then you can't, you know, you can't afford stuff. But meanwhile, you know, John Doe down the street, he's not paying. While you are, and so they up the 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 management fees because John Doe isn't paying, and so things don't go well because you've got people doing and tweaking things that they should not be doing. So having you know, I what I did after finding this fraud is I made sure when the employee that we had did the bank reconciliation that it would I would be there when she did it. So I would sit there with her as she did the bank reconciliation, and I would just ask questions about some of the expenses and show me the receipt. And that was enough to keep her on the on the line, and she did. And then when it came to anything else as far as adjustments and journal entries and asset relocations or reassessments, I sent that right to the CPA. I said, "This is what we just did. This is here's a receipt. Fix the books." And I just sent a. a you know, a portable file to the CPA and had them do it. I didn't do it. I took that responsibility off of me and gave it right to the CPA. So I didn't have anything on me. Now, as as technology has increased, this is something I've thought about even in, in our own uh, in our own HOA, my HOA. Um, you know, with technology increasing, you've got so many different ways now for people to commit fraud. Do you see fraud evolving with technology in HOAs or is it, do they typically go back to the same old, you know, false accounting entries or check fraud or the more traditional type frauds? 
I see it more as as still the more traditional because it there's not a lot of technology going on in HOAs. Everything on, in an HOA is is trying to be as bare bones as you can, so you don't have to pay those fees. So the more technology and the more you know infrastructure you put in, the higher the fees are going to be. So everybody's looking to save money, and as a way to save money, you you keep the old old school way. Write me a check. Or else you can, you know, you can you can send in a, an electronic payment. But pretty much most people either write a check or send an ACH payment, and and you know paying the bills can be done that way as well. Um, we made them just write the checks, and and then you know the girl had check writing ability, but all the checks were reviewed before they went out, and they had an attachment of that invoice before they went out, and then you got credit cards. You know, you got to be careful about the credit cards because the president of this particular um, HOA, he went out and got himself a credit card and gave his wife one too. things like that, you know, is where you can catch it because all of a sudden, who's this extra credit card, you know, for, oh, well, that was Jody. Well, Jody's not a board member. Why is she spending association funds? That's how you catch it. But you have to look. And if you just put your head in the sand, it's like any other fraud. If your head's in the sand, it's going to happen. Yeah. So in, in light of that, you know, the fact that y- you're typically dealing with the, these boards that have a limited budget and it's it's hard to, to justify resources, things like that. Are there any good kind of low cost resources, any training programs available to homeowners to, to kind of better understand and address these fraud issues? I found there was a website for HOA, they were excellent because I had never been on a board for an HOA prior to this. So I came in, you know, kind of like, okay, I'll do this, but I really don't, you know, I told the people that kept asking me to run, I said, I'm not really sure I can do this job. And they're all like, oh yeah, you can. So I went in and and there was some educational um, areas for me. I needed to know what my job was what my requirements were. And this particular website was, uh, there's lawyers on there. They have a, a, I think it's HOA. um, I'm I'm blanking on what it is. Um, But they, they, there's, there's resources out there that you can find um, what your statutes are. You, You read them. You need to read your, your documents. You know, it's, it's, it's just like any other, business that you go into, you got to know what the rules, the ground rules are so that you can do the job. And so you have to basically look at this as a job and and what are required to do the job and then do it. And if you don't know, get the resources and find out. There's people out there. There's There's tons of resources out there from the standpoint of what you can and cannot do. But most people just take over and do what they want to do. That's the difference. It sounds like some of these websites might can probably be found with basic, maybe a basic Google search for, yes, you know, each of yes. fraud resources. No, mm-hmm. That's great. So what would you just, we've, we've only got a couple of minutes left. What, what, what would you tell CFEs to basically encourage them to get involved in their homeowners association? This is sort of a, your chance to put out this rallying cry. Hey, this is happening. Um, this is what you should go do. I'll give you a chance to do that now. I've been to a couple of the uh, ACFE conventions and I have sat down and met a lot of people. 
And the one question every time I've sat down at our tables and there's what, eight to 10 people at the table and everybody, the, the very first question that everybody's ever asked me at every single conference I've been to is how many cases have you had? And I've, I, at each time I've gone, obviously I've had more and more cases as I've gone, but my very first meeting, I had like three or four cases at that time. And every time I'm at these conventions, everybody tells me they've never had a case and want to know how I got them. And it's like, I don't go out and ask for these cases. They come to me. But if you're looking and you're paying attention, you may have a case going on in your backyard. And my very first case as a CFE was my HOA fraud of 1.2 million. So you may have the same thing going on in your backyard. And that made my name. And then at that point, I was known and I was sought out. So if you're trying to get a case, you may have one in your backyard and you're not paying attention and it could launch your career as a CFE. That's great. So, all right. Well, I want to thank you again. Uh, thank you, Belinda, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for listening. You can find this podcast along with any other episodes of Fraud Talk on acfe.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Jason Zirkel for the ACFE signing off.